0: I trust that you are here in Deuteronomy chapter 6 with me. The word of our Lord in Deuteronomy 6 says this, Now this is the commandment, these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let's breathe a word of prayer together. O God, Protector of all who trust in You, without whom nothing is strong and without whom nothing is holy. Increase and multiply on us Your mercy so that with You as our ruler and guide we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with You in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We have been making our trek during this season through the Old Testament. And just as a reminder to some of you and as a a point of clarification to others of you, uh, the season proper... Well, you see up here on the screen, proper 12, and some of you are, are, have been scared to ask what in the world does that mean, and others of you know what it means, but uh, we're in a season that's called common time. It's called a proper season, and it is a season that runs between, um, between the death and resurrection of our Lord and Pentecost and the coming Advent. Bill mentioned just yesterday, it's already almost August. That seems crazy. We're, we're, y'all do realize what this means, right? Christmas is right around the corner. Right? That, I, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago that that's how I live my life. It's, it's either in constant celebration or, of Christmas or looking forward to the celebration of Christmas. We're, we're just a few months away. We'll be starting Advent not long from now. And there are 29 weeks of the proper season. So you do your math. You've got 17 more weeks. And boom, we begin Advent again. That's not far away. This is a—it's a common time. It's—it's—it's it's, it's kind of, I like to think of it as filler. It, it's a horrible way to put it, but it gets us from one end of the uh, of the liturgical calendar to the other end, to to that beginning again. And um, that's. Uh, it, the liturgical calendar is an interesting thing. We normally think of it as stale and dead and old and tried and that sort of thing. But, uh, but that's how we live our lives. We live our lives moving from seasons of celebration to other seasons of celebration. And we, move, re, we, we live our lives moving from seasons of remembrance and seasons sometimes of depression uh, at, on, on into other seasons. And that's how God's people have always celebrated His presence. In fact, that's really what our text is talking about here. To remember what God has done as we move through the seasons of life to not forget. And so that's why we have holidays, a better term being holy days. That's why we celebrate birthdays each and every year. That's why we celebrate Christmas each and every year. Easter each and every year. Because what has happened in our world really does matter. You matter is what a celebration of a birthday means. Your life matters. Your life brings joy and peace. Your life brings happiness to others. What God has done for His people brings them peace and hope and joy and a reminder of His faithfulness. And so that's uh, just a real quick explanation of this, uh, this term proper 12 up here. It's the 12th week of a proper season and how that, those weeks are added up is always weird because you, you know each year Easter moves around. Um, and so sometimes uh, post-Pentecost is proper four, sometimes post-Pentecost is proper one, sometimes post-Pentecost is proper seven, and there are weeks in between Easter and Pentecost that will fill up those, those, missing, uh, those missing numbers. Sorry to get technical with you. Sorry to, to, uh, to, to waste your time with that, but I felt like that would be a, a reasonable... Uh, explanation of of why you see that term up there and why you see it on your bulletin and your communication card which don't forget hopefully you'll be filling out and dropping in the offering plate at the back of the sanctuary so our lord here he tells israel through his servant moses who is rightly called a prophet of god he's one of the older prophets We don't normally think of him as a prophet, because we typically think Isaiah and Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Joel, Micah, and all those. Um, uh, The Italian prophet, Malachi. You guys remember Malachi. Some people call him Malachi, which just sounds like the Italian prophet. But Moses, a prophet of God, he has led Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage under Pharaoh. And he's leading them to the promised land. And as they are approaching the Promised Land, you remember the years of wandering in the wilderness because of their disobedience and because of their lack of faith and trust in God. Well, He has led them up to the River Jordan, and they're looking out over the Promised Land. And one last time, Moses is reminding them of the law. He is reminding them of the covenant that they have made with Yahweh. That's that term, Lord, in small caps that you found in our text a few times. And so when we come upon the Shema in, in in verse 4, we read, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh our God. Yahweh is one. This was an important text for the ancient Israelites. This was a text that all... Uh, all little boys and girls would, would learn this was a text that they could recite from memory in Hebrew. This was, this was a definer of who they were. They were the ones who were called to serve and to love Yahweh with all of their hearts, all of their souls, and with all of their strength. That term strength, it doesn't just mean you know, muscular might. It means every ounce of what you've got. Your very being. Everything. Moses calls for Israel to remember what God has done. The Hebrew people were to teach one another. They were to teach future generations. They were to teach the the, the coming generations of those future generations. This was a faith that was to be passed down from generation to generation. It was a faith that was to be remembered because God had done something in Israel's history. God had intervened. Forever Israel would know itself, would define itself as those who have been brought out of Egypt. Those whom Yahweh had rescued from Pharaoh. As we've been looking through our Old Testament, we've been reminding one another that this is a story for us. It's a story of grace and mercy. Grace and mercy is not just something you get to when you get to your book of Matthew, in fact, last week we looked at how Matthew begins with genealogy, which is a very boring and weird way to begin the New Testament. You know that story of grace and hope, and hey, we've got more begats. What what happened here, God? I think I think somebody stole from the Old Testament, plugged into the New. This Old Testament is a story of grace and mercy. It's a story of God's goodness to His people and how He's always shown them mercy. It's a story of of tragedy and redemption. It begins with fall and it's leading us toward the hope of full redemption in Christ. The Old Testament begins with a longing for the Messiah, a longing for one who would come to restore order to God's creation. And all throughout the prophets, you've got all sorts of apocalyptic literature about the new heaven and new earth that are coming and the promise of a new heart for God's people. It's a story of tragedy and redemption. God buying back His people. It's a story of love and faithfulness. God, the eternal lover, pursuing His beloved with everything He has and with utter, complete faithfulness. He will not quit. He will not let up. And as such, being a story, it's meant to be told we've been talking a little bit for the last few weeks about how stories have plots and a variety of plots And in fact I watched a uh, watched a movie this week that ended in a very very different way I've seen it before but it's been years uh, if you want to know what it is you can ask me after the, afterwards it's not an inappropriate movie or anything like that but um, uh, but it, it, it the plot just developed so radically different than, uh, than most plots would but um, we, so we, we've looked at plots, we've looked at settings, you know, every story has a setting, whether it's in a fantastic world, or whether it's in the real world, or whether it's in you know, 17th century England, or whether it's in a revolutionary America, or whether it's in you know, an ancient Acadian culture. Every story has a setting. Well stories, well, probably one of the most basic things about them that we often overlook and we often miss is this, stories are meant to be told. We tell stories. We share them. Writers publish them and make money off of them. Stories are meant to be told. They're not meant just for personal thrills on the part of the writer or on the part of the one telling. Stories are rarely told in the company of one where I'm just speaking and telling the story and no one's there to listen. That's called talking to yourself, which is perfectly well and good if you need to do that. But stories are meant to be told. They're meant to be shared. They're meant to be communicated. You know, that term communication, It is uh, the, the, the prefix C-O-M means with. It, it is about having union with another person through the telling of information or stories. Stories are meant to be told. Israel's understanding of itself was dependent upon its history. I mentioned just briefly, kind of in passing last week, that that reliable history really begins with Israel's understanding of itself. Israel realizes That the world in which they live is real and that what happens in that world really does matter and that God, the transcendent One who has created all things, has entered into this story of history and therefore what happens in this life matters. What happens in this life teaches us about ourselves It teaches us about God and His love and His faithfulness. And it teaches us a way forward. History is not just some circle of repeating events. History is not even just some straight line that never has a repeated event. History is kind of like a a, a spiral that moves forward. Yeah, there are a lot of things that repeat themselves. And that's why we say, you know, those who don't learn their history are doomed to repeat it. But history, as it moves forward, really does matter because unique people exist and unique events exist. There was only one parting of the Red Sea. There was only one Moses. There'll be plenty others who come after him who remind Israel of Moses and who point back to what God has done, but those events that happened, they happened in real time and space, and they matter because God has done something for His people in their world. Israel understood that in their history, in, in who they were, and in what God was doing among them throughout their history, that God was revealing Himself to them. They were learning who this character, this main character of history, Yahweh, is. They were learning about His faithfulness. They were learning about His kindness. They were learning about His mercy. They were learning that He is righteous and holy. He was revealing Himself to them. He revealed Himself not just by dropping a theology textbook in their laps, but by stepping into their world and living among them. He made Himself known to them. He disclosed Himself. Israel understood that it was through recording these events, through being faithful and passing them on from generation to generation, that it was in that testimony of what has happened, that they would remember who God was that they would remember what He had done among them, and that they would learn about themselves and learn about Him and learn how to relate to Him properly and how to relate to Him in holy lives, lived in holy communion with one another. And so they witnessed. They were called to be witnesses of Yahweh. They were called to simply share what they had seen and heard. And so that's why in Israel's History, you find things spoken of that normally would be washed away from other surrounding histories. The Egyptians wouldn't tell those terrible stories about their kings. They would tell only about the good things. If a battle was lost, battle basically just didn't happen in other histories. But Israel told when they lost battles. Israel told when their kings failed morally. Israel told when their people were unfaithful. Israel told the good and the bad, the ugly and the beautiful, because it really had happened, and it really meant something. It mattered. And so they were called to simply share what they had seen and heard, what they knew of what had happened. Israel's identity was being shaped, and therefore Israel's memory was being called to persevere. As Moses has led Israel up to the river Jordan, as they're looking out over the promised land, and Moses realizes that he's not going to enter the land with with his people. As he's preparing Joshua to step up and take charge, all throughout this book of Deuteronomy, which is actually, even though it's written in Hebrew originally, it's, it's a Greek term, Deuteronomy, a second law, a second giving of a law. It's just a repeat of what had happened at Sinai as as Israel had entered into covenant with Yahweh as he had led them out of, of Egyptian bondage and was preparing them to enter the promised land. So Moses is rehearsing again this covenant. He's reminding his people that they live in covenant with Yahweh. That they have given themselves they have sworn themselves by oath to this one who is to be their king and their lord and one of the things he tells them is you're going to enter into a land that you that you've done nothing to prepare for yourselves you're going to you're going to inhabit cities and towns that you've not constructed you're going to benefit from farms that you didn't prepare that you didn't plant This land's going to be flowing with milk and honey and it's all been graciously given to you. And He says, you're going to live in that land and you're going to grow old and you're going to grow fat because we all do. And you're going to be tempted to forget what God has done. And His charge to them throughout Deuteronomy is very simple. Never forget. Never forget Sinai Never forget the Red Sea. Never forget what Yahweh has done for you because it matters. It happened. Moses, here in chapter 6, calls on his people to fear Yahweh, their God, to keep his commands, to hear from Him, to listen to Him. He talks an awful lot here about His commands, His statutes, His law. Israel's remembrance as a people, their, their self-recollection is bound up in a number of things. Uh, just three of them mentioning here. their festivals and feasts. You know, they, they went through periods of, of celebration and periods of fasting. Passover being the, the largest of all the feasts where they were reminded of how God had delivered them from Egypt and how He had prepared for them. They had the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They had the Feast of, of Tabernacles or Booths. and uh, We call it Pentecost. They had a number of feasts that, that they would celebrate throughout their, their history together, throughout their years. And that was a way of them remembering what God had done. It was a way of them remembering that God had always been faithful to them. And so they should never forget. Their education, which later on is is seen in the synagogue system, their education is bound up in the telling of stories, in the recollection of what God had done in being faithful to His people as little children were being brought up. Children that hadn't been at the Red Sea. Children who hadn't been at the conquering and the receiving of the promised land. They would tell their children of what God had done, and they would tell them as people who had experienced it themselves. And so even their education is wrapped up in the reminding and the telling of stories of what God had done in their history. Their Torah, which is poorly translated law, is better translated instruction. Their Torah. What God had revealed to them of his character and how they were to relate to him because of his holy character. We're typically associated with those first five books, we call them the books of the law of Moses. That term Torah, it means instruction. It's not a bad thing. It's not a nasty thing. It's not a nasty word. It's not something to be feared or to, to, to think of spitefully or resentfully. It's a good thing. It taught Israel how they were supposed to relate to this God who had redeemed them. It'd be like us having a chip on our shoulder because Honda put a stinking instruction manual in our glove box like we don't know how to drive a car. Well, they gave you the instruction manual because you're going to need it. There are things that are going to happen. There are lights that are going to flash, and you're going to freak out, and you're not going to know what to do about it. Instructions are good. Even, you know, two-page instructions on how to put together a... uh, Those are good. It takes you hours to put together those kitchens with the instructions. I can't imagine how long it would take without them. And it probably wouldn't look like a kitchen. It would be more like a workshop or something. Israel understands that God has revealed Himself to them and His will for their lives and how they are to relate to Him, this holy God who has redeemed them. They were called to remember. To recall what He had done so as to live in the reality of it. Why was the Red Sea so important? Because God is the God who delivers His people. God is the God who has delivered His people, and He will deliver His people. To live in the reality of the past, because it influences the present, and it shapes the future. Now we're called to live in the present. We're called not to live for tomorrow, not always to live you know, for when, we're, when we hit 50 or when we hit 60 or when we get to retire, not always to live for the future. We can't live in the past, but we can live in the reality of the past as we look to the future and we live our lives now and today in the present. And so this is what God has called them to. To never forget what He has done. To always remember it. And to look out into the future with hope because God is the God who redeems. Israel had a story to tell. A story to tell of God's faithfulness to them. A story to tell of how good He had been to them. You know, families have stories. Our family has innumerable stories. We uh, uh, People that live away, Gary Bryden and... His wife Deborah and others—they always ask us, "You guys are keeping record of all these crazy things your kids say and do, right?" You need to publish a book. We tell them that's why there's Facebook. It's all there. It's all trapped out on the internet. We can't get it out of there. So we—it's—it's kind of like our, our running documentary. Um, that, but families have stories to tell. Some stories are stories we've never heard of. We get together for a family reunion and we hear stories about. You know, Great Aunt Ethel and that crazy thing she did. And you're thinking, I don't even remember who Great Aunt Ethel was. Well, because you weren't born yet. Oh. But there's this story that, that's being communicated within a family. A, a, a collection of memories. A collection of what has happened in the family. A collection of the things the family had been through. And those, those stories are typically told in the context of fellowship. You know, we laugh and howl and, and, and have a good time over, over food and drink. We get together at a table, and we will laugh and chuckle, and we'll tell the craziest of stories. We'll remember things that happened the week prior. In fact, at, uh, at camp, it was the last day of camp, Thursday, Thursday. Everything's packed up. We, we leave camp. We drive to Villa Rica, probably four miles away from the campsite. We park at a Chick-fil-A and, and some of the folks from our church, we get out and we go into Chick-fil-A and what are we talking about? We're talking about what had just happened hours prior. 20 years from now, we'll probably still be laughing about some of the same crazy stories. But there's, there's, a, there's a sharing of stories that takes place in a family, especially a family of faith. And it happens typically in the context of fellowship. When we get together as, as God's people. When we get together and we witness to one another. We share stories with one another of what has happened. You know, our prayer together as we gather ought to end in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. If you've prayed and you've not given thanks to God, the question is, how much have you really prayed? I'm guilty of this as much as anyone else. We run into God. Alright Lord, I've I, I got to keep it quick. I, I've got very little time. and here's, Here are the things I need for you to do for me. Thanks, hope you have a great day. You know, our prayers turn out kind of like memos. You know, in-office memos. Just a little tag on it like the beginning. Hope you're doing well. Boom, here's what I want you to know. Have a great day. Our prayer lives ought to be characterized by thanksgiving. Because it's in giving thanks that we remember what God has done. That's why that holiday, which is so sadly the the most overlooked of holidays, is important. It is important not just to be grateful, but it is important to actually give thanks. Not just to be thankful, but to actually vocalize and verbalize our gratitude. It's in that giving of thanks in prayer as we're remembering what God has done together that we are able to remember to remember His faithfulness. To remember what He has done for us as His people. It's in the sharing of those stories that we're reminded of how good He's been. And our hearts should be filled with gratitude. And that remembrance of His faithfulness ought to lead us into celebration. We have reason to celebrate. We take Sundays for granted. We show up. Normally we're rushed and stressed. Normally I've been... Hollering at the kids, come on, come on, get your shoes. We got to get in the car. Come on, we got to go. And we forget that we show up on Sundays because Christ is risen. That's why the church celebrates on Sundays. It is the Lord's Day, it is the day of the resurrection. That's not something we remember just at Easter. That's something that builds and builds and builds into an eruption of of Easter. But that's something that we, a reality in which we ought to live every week of our lives. Christ the Lord is risen. And we too are raised up with him in new life. And we too have reason to remember and reason to celebrate. We too, like Israel, have reason to hear that our Lord and our God is one, and we are called to love him with every bit of who we are, and we're called to remember what he has done for his people. We have a story to tell. And if we don't tell that story, it is as good as it's not happened. We have a story to tell. To tell ourselves, to tell one another, and to tell the world. The scriptures call us to remember, to not forget, to never forget what God has done, because what has happened matters. It really has happened, and therefore it matters. What has happened encourages. We remember, God's always brought us through. In the worst of times, He's always been faithful. You may have heard me or Lindsay mention before that we um, we have a little a little prayer book and left hand page we'll write in prayer requests and dates and on the right hand page we'll leave it blank and when those prayers are answered we'll write it in out to the side on the right hand page and some of, those, some of those prayers to go back and look through over the years have, uh, have taken a while to be answered but most of them have been answered sometimes we'll write out there ways that they were answered not, not according to our choosing or our liking but that's what happened And going back periodically through that book, we don't do it often enough, going back periodically through that book reminds us and encourages us what God has done and how faithful He's been. And in being encouraged, we find strength because what has happened strengthens us. Shapes us into who we are. Sometimes it's bad things that happen in life that make us stronger. Sometimes it's those battles that we found ourselves beat nearly to death that we find strength to move on. Those stories matter. They're important. They are to be told. And the question I've been asking for the last few weeks is, do you see yourself in this story? Do you see yourself in God's call? Where are you? This is His story. The story that He's telling. It's His story to you. That's why your Bibles matter in your own lives, in your own walks with Him. It is His story to the church. Because faith is not some independent thing. It's not some independent exercise. It's something that we share with one another and with God's church around the world and throughout history. This is His story to the world. It is a story that offers us hope and redemption. It is a story in which we see God's love and His faithfulness. Is the story of how God can do the miraculous in the midst of the mundane. Do you see yourself in it? We're called as the people of God to remember. What he has done. To be grateful, to express thanks, to remind one another and encourage one another, to not let one another fall to the wayside, to not let one another forget, but to always be there, to always encourage, to always remember. Where do you fall in the story? And with whom are you sharing it? Let's pray.